Hey everyone, welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Kevin as we take on the bonus track Arrows off of the Japanese edition of the first LP Vampire Weekend by the band Vampire Weekend. A hidden gem. I feel like I would say 80% of the fan base probably doesn't know it exists, if not higher. It's... um. It's it's a gem though. I like it. Yeah, I, I I think I mentioned last week that I listened to the song once or twice before. I actually think I was wrong about that. I I really do not think I've heard this song before today. <laughs> um, and it's it's funny to hear a new song, and I'm like, oh, this kind of reminds me of Vampire Weekend. It's like, oh, this is this is the band. This is this is the band <laughs> Vampire Weekend because I listened to the official audio uploaded by the band. Um, and that YouTube video has, I think, only 28,000 views, which is yeah. not that many people. It is on Apple Music now. It, wait, is it really? Yeah. You have to look up Arrows Vampire Weekend. <laughs> I just didn't it's think like it was there. down as a single. It's not a, as the job. Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually thought it had never gotten an official American I thought release. So, so that's, that's kind of a, interesting that it has. Um, but yeah, for a band that sells out, you know, Madison Square Garden, you know, like, it's weird that there's like this song that no one's heard. Yeah. Um, it is a cool song. I don't know. I mean, it's probably middle of the pack in terms of enjoyment. Um, partly because I tried to figure out what the song was about on my own. Uh, and then like maybe five minutes before we try to record, I'm like, well, let's see if Genius has anything. Cause I was scratching my head. Uh, and it turns out this is a song that is about, is very specific about its, its, its origins. Um, yeah. And I think Nico has a good lead on what that means. Um, what do we have here, Nico? Yeah, so um, first off, I did want to ask you before we jump in, uh, do you know why Japanese editions of albums have bonus tracks? No. So apparently albums in Japan are really expensive. I don't know why. Wow. It's like if you want to buy a physical copy of something. Yeah. Okay. And so it's to motivate people to actually go and buy the album. Because this would, this would have still firmly been in the CD era. Uh, a record released in 2007 or 2008 or whatever yeah. yeah yeah so apparently it's common for japanese editions to have bonus tracks interesting like, amongst other bands as well okay yeah so anyway that's very cool yeah so this song is actually about evelyn wow's bride's head revisited which was a book um that was written in 1945 um and it is about um this one character um, Charles Ryder, who interacts and has a friendship with the Flights, a family of wealthy English c- Catholics who live in a mansion called Brideshead Castle. Um, and so he has two primary relationships with um, one of the sons, Sebastian, um, who I think this song is mostly about. Um, I haven't read the book, so it's a little hard to tell for sure. Um, but the other one being the daughter, Julia, who he eventually gets together with. And then um, his heart is broken when she leaves him to pursue um, a relationship with God. Um, So quite a twist. Um, The reasoning being that they could not get married in the Catholic Church because both of them um, were divorced. And so, um, so to get remarried would have been a mortal sin. And so she, the daughter was so moved by, 
um, her father's uh, conversion on his deathbed that she said, I can't get married to you and left to focus on a relationship with God. And then in the epilogue of the book, um, Charles actually has his own conversion, even though he was never Catholic throughout the whole book. Um, and so the author herself is a convert. Um, and so the book has heavy, heavy the uh, Catholic theology themes. Um, and so I, as a theology major, want to read this book very no, much I, now because yeah, she described I, it as the whole thing is steep, or sorry, the author, he described it as the whole thing is steeped in theology, but I begin to agree that the theologians won't recognize it. So it was depicting the Catholic faith in a secular literary form is what it was described as. Yeah, I, I read the synopsis and I'm like, this this sounds really interesting. And it seems like, I mean, it's 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 far more modern than a lot of these kind of like pastoral England books you get because this, I mean, I don't know how many people have offend here. I hate Pride and Prejudice. I hate the story. Terrible. I, we won't spend time on that. But if I can get some of that through another book, I'd like that. And this sounds like something that'd be particularly salient. So maybe we can have a little, we can have a little book club uh, for, for Brideshead Revisited here. Vampire I would thoroughly enjoy book this. Club. <laughs> you know what? Hey, Nico, I think I know what to get you for Christmas now. So this is, don't don't bu don't buy this book. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sounds He's good. Great. Okay. I guess we both have each other's Christmas gifts down Easy. now. I, I, <laughs> Easy money. I'm going to mail a book to somebody else. Hell yeah. <laughs> They're going to mail me the same book. <laughs> book exchange. What edition did you get? <laughs> <laughs> See that's the question. So yeah, we got I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get him like this nice leather bound one, and he's gonna send me the Penguin Classics. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm gonna send you the Kindle. <laughs> Even better, the, the ebook that you have to read on your little iPhone. Just I, I I've tried reading books on my phone before, and it's no, like no, it's it depends on the book. I just can't do it's it. Awful. Yeah, I I cannot. And do a Kindle it. is actually nice. I have a Kindle. The ones that they're they're not backlit. Yeah, yes. it's actually more enjoyable. And I feel like if you have a dedicated book reading device, that is more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, because you're not distracted. Um, but yeah, so um, this book. Uh, why did Vampire Weekend choose this book? It's a classics that um they probably would have read in college but why it was chosen i'm not really sure <laughs> maybe maybe it um prefigured ezra's conversion that we talked about in this life that probably definitely sort of could have happened oh back in 2005 back in 2007 yeah he yeah. took 13 years to work that one out um <laughs> no probably not i mean you're you're right it, it, it probably could have just been um something they read in college and you're right like the idea of an individual like denying themselves and another person a marriage because of their relationship to god is fascinating uh to i mean even a secular audience right and we haven't read this book but for all we know it could be an incredibly moving experience it could be incredibly moving to the reader um and very well could leave an impression apparently peers of the author hated the ending how he actually converted he was like there's like a quote saying like it's the most cheesy like um unnecessary ending um oh yeah here novelist henry green wrote to wrote to the author <laughs> said this directly to him the end was not for me as you can imagine my heart was in my mouth all through the deathbed scene hoping against hope that the old man would not give way that is take the course he eventually did 
So he was rooting for him to not convert. Not convert. <laughs> Just go down on his deathbed. I can't take this. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I would like a little bit of cheesy rom-com mixed in with my like like powerful story. I, I don't mind that. Wow. I love rom-com in my theology. That's, I mean, hey. Groundhog Day what, is rom-com with some theology, in my opinion, but teach their own. I was talking about this. I was talking to Where this. Um, Mary is God. Fr- friends of the show, uh, Matt, Tom, Will, and I have a group chat, and I mentioned this in the middle of the whole Notre Dame coaching carousel this, earlier this week. Oh Why was the Bill Murray character not rewarded for trying to revive the homeless man in Groundhog Day? <laughs> like, that should be – you've seen the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember this detail. But... So apparently, he lived for, for like ten years in the in Groundhog Day, right? It's and longer. is it longer? Yeah, it's like forty-five. Years okay, it's a it's a long he time. He masters piano. That's that's a good point. He does get very <laughs> good at piano. Just going to lessons, yeah. But there's the saga where he sees the homeless man. Um, he tries to feed him. He tries to bring him to the hospital. And there's a scene of him like literally trying to revive him on the street, and it's like. Was that not good enough for like divine powers that are trying no, to like keep him in Satani? It's all about love. It's all about love. <laughs> have I have I had the conversation with you about um this makes great radio, by the way? But this is great uh, radio. <laughs> about how if you had the chance to do Groundhog Day, but you don't know which day it will be. Um, so it's just gonna be a random day within the next year, okay? Um how many years would you want it to be to repeat? I'm trying I say to think 30 because I want years. I want to read a lot. That's the yeah, only reading, reason I want those 30 years. Yeah, I think reading would be good because it's like if I just don't show up to work, I could just like I could pick weeks at a time just not show up to work. Yeah. So, so but yeah, I would read, I would play guitar. It's like you can only get so languages. far, but like yeah, like if I if I knew it going in, and I'm waking up at six o'clock every day, I could see I could see all of Michigan. I could see a lot of Wisconsin. I mean, like yeah, that's the other thing that always comes up is when are you waking up? And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, we wake up early, so like it benefits us. Because yeah, if you I, wake I, up I, at noon that one day, you shoot. <laughs> I guess the big thing about Groundhog Day is that they can't physically leave Punxsutawney. Do we have to keep that? Uh, so now I'm thinking like Palm Springs or any other like okay day like but yeah, I can so you can leave I can leave okay yeah. yeah I would I mean I'm thinking at least five ten years okay I said I, although I, I I think I'm curious how quickly I get bored and it would be like yeah. I think it would be incredibly frustrating to like call like try and call my friends um, have the same conversation yeah over and yeah and it's like I'm curious like if I would try and trigger it out early or yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. And what, maybe it, it's also years. like having seen the movie groundhog day, I now think what is my personal like mission quest that gets me out of the cycle? You know, I don't you know. Figure out for yourself. I guess. That's what the 30 years is for. Damn it. All right. <laughs> um, Look at us <laughs> getting, getting, getting real philosophical here. I, I love that question. That's it's a great question. Questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that in mind. Um, it's right up there with uh, drinking pancakes, French toast, and waffles. 
Oh yeah, Nico. We've had this conversation. Yeah, when we were walking around SF, we talked about this, about how French toast has the highest ceiling. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about ceilings. We're not the platonic ideal. Yeah, the platonic ideal. The platonic (laughs) ideal of a French toast is much higher than the platonic ideal of a pancake. Amen. Like, (laughs) but pancakes are better than French toast. But we're talking about platonic ideals most of the time. But the best French toast you ever had is like hands down better than the best pancake you ever had. Easily, and then waffles. Like, sorry guys i i love a good waffle but like waffle might have the highest floor you know it does have the high yes i think it's good i just had this conversation this morning <laughs> it's it's kind of like it's like you're 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 expanding the standard deviation you're kind of making a sandwich with the like the box and whisker plot if you will mm. you know and in the center is your waffle yeah the air bars on the french toast are massive <laughs> this is great this is amazing radio anyway. I'm, gonna make, I'm gonna i'm gonna see if i remember my box and whisker skills on excel so we can cry we can cook this up later oh, <laughs> so anyway anyway um yeah we can we can dive in so um i saw you down at the stage oh i did want to bring up what if this um, song did you ever make a song about like an English book in high school English class like AP English I think I had I think we had a project where it was like you had the option to do that if you wanted to and I did Uh, not do that we did and we made a music video and everything in which we like burnt uh the sound and fury by uh, William Faulkner like actually like set it to flames and our English wow. teacher is not happy about that wow <laughs> that's tough <laughs> um, but yeah that's that's what comes to mind was this an English project for Ezra <laughs> very well could be yeah I mean the we, book? We, we saw the guy this is the guy that made the uh the vampire movie Walcott he you did know? so it, I, I wouldn't put it. I'm not. I wouldn't put it past him. I yeah. think it, it's absolutely something you could see the fellas getting together because it's it is pretty vague. Like I had no idea. There was very little clue that this is what the song was about. I tried to construe something about like lovers remorse or like you know spreading yourself too thin. Um, but it is funny how like how do we know that that's what this song is about? I think he's talked about it at one okay. point. Okay, I see. I, I, I knew this song was about that for a long time. I don't okay, remember where it came. I had out. a hard time finding anything like that. Maybe I just didn't dig deep enough or look in the right places. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool though. There's also a comment in the book where um, Sebastian says to Charles, um, "They're contra mundum against the world," which oh, you know, come is a on. Great, was is a quote that Ezra loves. So it, it's all one song. It's all, it's all, it's one, all song. one song. Yeah. Um, Genius was saying they think this sounds like Run. I don't see it. Maybe a, a first album version of Run. Yeah, the, but... the fr- fr- frenetic pace, you know, it lends itself to that. But this is, this is a little more frenzied than Run is. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw you down at the station, your leather suitcase burst at the seams. Stay all day up in your rooms now. That's not a problem you've ever seen. Um, so yeah, like I said, I think this is about the relationship initially, the first verse is about the relationship between, um, Sebastian and Charles, uh, which was described by the author as a very intimate friendship. 
Um, a lot of people tried to read um, a romantic relationship between the two, um, but from what the author has stated after, it seems like that is not the case. If, if uh, anyone has read letters from back then, um, people, uh, relationships between friends of like two guys were a lot more stated back then like you had one close friend that you were very comfortable share being emo emotional with and so dudes I, I think that's the case then, you know there's nothing else to say hey bring back dudes rock right <laughs> we've we've been leading the charge on bringing back dudes rock i think i think it's pretty me and, me and kevin are just gonna start writing letters to each other that's the solution this is our letter what are you talking about <laughs> this is <laughs> i since nico and i started this podcast i've seen nico in person like four times <laughs> like, this, this yeah, is all I've, we do <laughs> i've seen kevin more times than i've seen anyone else that doesn't live in the bay area and it's like and it's like i visited nico last year can i visit again this year nico of course anytime great okay You're, you almost visited last week <laughs> i did i almost visited for like a really like the game where nico got kicked out of the student section i did get kicked out of the student section but we don't we don't need well, to any, diverge anyway um but um but yeah I, I think it's just a very intimate friendship um it's like lord of the rings you got like sam and frodo people try to read a romantic totally and it's like, like mary and pippin oh. are just hanging out and they're just dudes being dudes and tolkien saw that tolkien saw that it was like the fellowship of the ring i mean what's more the dudes fellas, rock than that yeah fellowship. yeah and there's there's totally examples within classic literature of um homosexual relationships um but i feel like you don't need to place them on ones that the author clearly states aren't yeah especially if the author's clear about it i think that's a very good point yeah um but yeah i mean there's totally examples of gay relationships within classic literature whether for sure. explicitly or implicitly stated and um, this is a band some, that has been fairly i was gonna say this is a band that's been fairly explicit about like yes. exploring homosexual relationships too With we've talked about diplomat that. son yeah. yeah totally yeah so it's, it's believable and i understand why uh the man could uh try to piece that together but i i i don't see it i don't think it needs to be there mm -hmm. um but i haven't read the book so uh, i guess we'll get back to you after that um, <laughs> um but yeah so i think this is talking about charles uh waiting for um sebastian um, because the second verse or second line saying stay all day up in your rooms now that's not a problem you've ever seen so in the book sebastian struggles with alcoholism and disappears to his room to get drunk at night um, and so that's clearly about him um, i thought it was very interesting how it's fairly clear that rooms plural is said here mm. you know to me that signifies wealth that was my first thought. It's like, oh, someone's going up to their rooms. They're in this some sort of stately manner, you know. It's or, less, less of going to my bedroom, and it's more like I'm up in my larger space. Or this could be a love letter to both. That was the other thought. Is it, it could be a it could daughter. be multiple people uh, as the audience. Yeah, that's very fair. Because I mean, if it's just a love letter, it doesn't necessarily mean both of the recipients of the love letter are of a romantic nature. Like, love yeah. is in their many forms uh i mean greeks use what five words for it so um so yeah it could be just different forms of love across mm. 
across the audience. Um, but um, yeah, going on to the chorus, fall on your knees, wasting your arrows. You've, you'd found you've walked along these hills. Um, so wasting your arrows is a super, super cool line um, because um, do you know who is associated with arrows in um within catholic theology it's oh i had this up um it is remind me because I, I totally was looking at this earlier and i forgot saint now. sebastian that's right the, the yes first, uh one of the first martyrs and um he um or maybe not one of the first martyrs but a martyr nonetheless and he was uh killed with arrows um, and so the one of the main characters, Sebastian, one of one of the the son of the family, um, is named Sebastian, and so that's where that uh, name comes along and that association comes along. Mm-hmm. And so I think the chorus is about Sebastian just kind of falling apart with alcoholism, and um, he ends up going to a monastery essentially. Um, so he falls on his knees to confess his sins and also rely on God. Um, so, so how I, do we think the how do arrows we... is the arrows, the alcohol? The I was going to ask you about that because it's like, if it's, it, it's not like he's expending something away from himself. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it is funny to read arrows in his context, knowing it's, it's what killed him. Um, could be a sense of like, using your gifts um and instead of you know instead of having a a vigor for something else it that's been consumed by alcoholism you know yeah so i mean i think it could be that in the sense that to the secular world martyrs are very difficult to understand Um, yes i mean even to anyone um but oh yeah um, like the the context (laughs) in which you're like oh i would die explicitly for my faith or a cause that i believe in yes um, but in that, in that sense, there's a lot that um, almost ties this like masochism to martyrs because of how much torture they go through and how like in many cases they could just deny God and be done with it, right? It's um, like a glory thing so at that point. A, yeah. yeah, to a secular world, it's it's really, really this like far distant thing to like appreciate, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I think in the same sense, him drinking every night and killing himself through that is is kind of that torture, that martyrdom. Yeah, that it's leads the, him to God. It's the masochism without like the martyrdom. It's it's aimless mm-hmm. at this point, is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, no, I would say that it's trying to be communicated that in in a certain sense at the beginning it is aimless. But by the end, that alcoholism is what leads him to that monastery that leads him to God. Oh, I guess I guess what I meant is like a martyr in the traditional sense is being harmed and killed because of God. And I'm saying at the at the beginning, that's not the case. But then you're right. It's the there there's at some point there's a breaking point. He's like, I have to do something different now. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah. And then you've you'd found you've walked along these walls. Um, and so the book is actually written um, as the main author, I think, in World War II is visiting that mansion and it, um, it didn't fall. Um, it's not in ruins, unlike everything else around it. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
so it's kind of him reminiscing the whole time and so i think it's just him walking around saying like oh um i walked here like this is where we spent our summers right so that that's the impression yeah. i got yeah i like that it's also like it, it, it's interesting because you know like like i said i tried to read into this before knowing the whole uh bride said we visited thing and mm -hmm. it's 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 kind of plain language but it is still very pretty at the time uh yeah. at the same time like wasting your arrows like you said beautiful line yeah definitely call dibs <laughs> okay <laughs> um so verse two i awoke up in a bedroom You'd gone out hunting. I was asleep. Spend my day out at the fountain. That's not a problem you had foreseen. So what did you get from this? I, I was kind of at a loss here. Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, at first you almost think like, oh, someone wakes up and they're in a bedroom. It's almost assumed it's like, oh, this person's in a relationship and like someone else left Definitely. them. It also just might not be, you know, like we could be talking about two people leading two very different lives here. Um, and maybe speaking to the situation where you have two individuals that consider getting married and then one said, I cannot do this. It's almost like, oh, you wouldn't have seen this working out considering how well this relationship was going. And yet here we are leading our two different lives. I'm waking up. Meanwhile, you're still out there doing your thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So apparently um, there's a scene where Charles goes to console Sebastian, who is... Um, facing depression at the moment and uh sebastian makes a gesture to try to snap out of this depression by going out on a hunt in the morning and so that's what that's in reference to and then the fountain is there's a fountain on the property um, okay that is like a central place for meeting um in which um a, a lot of scenes in the book uh take place that makes a little more sense okay yeah. So, um, so I guess that's not a problem you had foreseen is in reference to Sebastian just kind of doing his own thing without regard for or Charles. So whose who's point of view is this here? I think Charles. You think so? Okay. Yeah. Talking about Sebastian. Okay. I think you're right. That's probably the best. That's probably the best read of it. Yeah. Um, And then the chorus again, fall on your knees, wasting your arrows. You'd found you've walked along these halls. So it's just restating. And the outro, there's a little twist where it says, oh, it's no use at all, but that life in the church could still remain. Um, that so little I, musical shift with the, um, with the bridge is so pretty. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, so I, I think this is just the end of the book where Charles is left lonesome um, without Julia, without Sebastian, um, and kind of just reminiscing. Um, yeah, what's because the whole thing is is reminiscing, right? Yeah. And it's funny how when even as just as you're listening to the song, you get this sense that I'm left wanting more, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you view this through the context of, oh, this is somebody looking on the events of like 15, 20 years prior, that's fascinating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, so, so at the end, we talked about how he converts. Um, and so he's kind of coming along to it saying, oh, well, 
a life in the church could still remain like maybe maybe i follow suit maybe i follow sebastian who joined the monastery maybe i follow julia uh, i see what you're saying yeah pursued god um i thought it was interesting it's written in the lyrics as life but in the song i kind of heard it as light but that light in the church could still remain yeah so i i read it as hope almost yeah it's it's it, it's considering and again like i said if you consider this to somebody reminiscing maybe this guy feels a little aimless despite all the years that have gone by and is maybe considering you know what if there's a place for me here too yeah yeah so i i definitely think it's interesting that um this is a very i mean yes it is about a classic novel um but the very explicitly Christian themes within it is not something we see from Vampire Weekend until Father of the Bride. Yeah, this is very early in the career. Because, I, mean, um, I mean, what other religious themes were there on LP1, you know? Not. There wasn't really much of anything that I can think of, you know? No, it was just kind of Cape Cod Boys post, uh, coasting. And that is posting. That is (laughs) that actually it does give credence to your hypothesis that this was an assignment and they just did it because it's like that. I like that a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. because it otherwise does not fit with the album. Yeah, yeah. I just and we knew that some of these songs had been in the tank for a couple of years. Yeah, it definitely think it was more so just him reading a book and being like hey it's a pretty cool scene yeah gonna write about it i like that <laughs> and now like you said i am super motivated to read this book yeah seems interesting um any final thoughts cool song i think with the context of um brides have revisited it's very interesting um but yeah pretty song musically um feels like it fits in with lp1 in that regard I like um, it. It is of note that this, in the same sense that some directors make a bunch of original work and then make a movie that's based on a book at one point, right? And then make creative liberties throughout. Um, I think in the same sense, the song has to be viewed in that, that most of the themes present are not of Ezra's choosing. And instead of the author's choosing, but Ezra's using creative liberties to adapt it to whatever the song needs. Mm-hmm. In the same sense that a movie, the media uses whatever creative liberties to adapt that book to whatever it needs. That's a good point. Yeah. So I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> hey, that's why we started a podcast. What does that mean? Talk about, no talk one, about things no that one we knows. Don't... We don't understand. Yeah. No one knows what it means. It's just provocative. It gets the people going. It gets the people going. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but yeah, if anyone's still listening, thanks. <laughs> happy, to, happy to have you. Happy to have you. Happy to have you listening to our rants. Um, so my favorite lyric, as I said, wasting your arrows. Love, love the connection there. I like, I awake up in a bedroom, you've gone up hunting. Mm, that's a good one. Um, 
And then top five, I'll go um, Flower Moon, Unbearably White, Spring Snow, um, Everlasting Arms, and Unbelievers. Let's go uh, Stranger, This Life, Everlasting Arms, Flower Moon, uh, Unbelievers. Then our hat for this week um, is a Notre Dame hat, uh, as Kevin can tell you what happened this past week. Yeah, so I don't know how many of you guys follow college football. I'm curious what that Venn diagram is of uh, Vampire Weekend fans and college football fans. Um, Notre Dame's head coach left to take the job at LSU. And it was, a, it was a surprise to all of us. And there was some shock. There was some gallows humor thrown around. And then it became apparent fairly quickly that the guy was a jackass. And I don't know about you guys. I don't like being friends with jackasses. So I'm happy the guy left. And we hired our defensive coordinator to be the head coach, who everybody loves. And the whole staff stayed behind. And now Notre Dame is going to play Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. And – I think we're going to win. Yeah, I do too. So, and LSU, they, uh, I think, are going to have a bowl game, but I don't know what it is because yeah, I don't think they lost six that. games this year. Yeah, I don't, so I don't we'll think see. Brian Kelly's coaching in that game. Um, you think he is? No, I don't think he is. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think he'd be either because you have to put in a whole new offense, whole new defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we anyway, a... so it was a whole thing. I lost a lot of sleep this week, but now we're here. Feels really good. Yeah, we have a green Notre Dame hat because Marcus Freeman wears green. Um, if we if we start wearing green more, I mean, <laughs> all bets are off. All bets are Give off. Give me a green versus orange Fiesta Bowl in the battle for Ireland. You know, oh Protestants versus Catholics. Yeah. Something, oh. be, something to be said there. So next <laughs> – Next episode might be a short one. Um, Young Lion. <laughs> Great. So you want to, you want to do it with. now? I, I guess. I mean, <laughs> we I can do it now. Point, we're literally... <laughs> <laughs> we're literally just going to go on and be like, yeah, sounds good. A breather, a breather for us. We're, we're going to have to do some like music theory analysis on we that. We actually one. should. It's a, it's a pretty piano part. Um, it's kind of Beatles-y, honestly. I mean... One of the like seven other songs we have left is Sunflower, so we'll have to do the same there. Because I don't okay, know Sunflower, Sunflower absolutely cooks. Sunflower moving in the wind. Is yeah, exactly. In depth lyrical analysis. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so tune in next week to hear us talk about piano. Take it easy, folks. <laughs>